invite you, if you're able, to stand with us as we begin to worship the Lord, glorify His name. He is worthy of our praise. So let's give Him all we got this morning. Amen. Trust in your name, Jesus. Able to save and deliver us. Yes, he is. We put our hope in your name, Jesus. Sing blessing and honor. Blessing and honor. Glory and power.
That's good, man. Sing his praise aloud. One more time. Away. meticulous about the songs we sing. If you ask John, he'd probably say a little too meticulous, but <laughs> I was joking, sorry. Um, but really meticulous. And, uh, and I've been kind of questioning myself, like, what's going on in my heart? Am I being like just mean for no reason? And, uh, but I've also been having a lot of conversations with worship leaders and pastors just around the country about what we're doing when we're worshiping. And so I was talking last week to a pastor in Indiana and I just asked him, like, why does it matter? Like, in your perspective, why does it matter 
that we sing the right things, that we say the right things to the Lord, that we sing about ourselves in the right way. And his answer was this. He said that he grew up a military kid and, and not, the, not the ones that bounce around from city to state to country. He was one of the ones where he said, my dad was on assignment for six months, eight months at a time frequently. And he said, you could visit my house regularly and still miss my dad. And he started crying and he said, I don't want anybody in my congregation to come to the father's house and miss the father. And that's why we, that's why we do what we do. That's why we want to be excellent. And it's not because of our efforts. It's not because of any type of formula. It's we just want this place to be an undistracted place where we can encounter the king of glory. And I know we come in with weight and I know we come in heavy, but I think the best thing for your problem is the presence of God. So this moment before we sing, I just want you to have a moment of being undistracted. If there's something you need to shift your eyes from to look to the Lord, would you do that here? If there's something you need to confess, would you do that here? We want to clear the way for God to move. We want to clear the way to see him rightly because he's worthy of that. right now as we sing this to the Lord. Worthy is your name. Come on. Jesus. You deserve. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Jesus. You deserve the praise. Wow. Worthy is your name.
our songs, but our souls. Not just our songs, but our hearts. And be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our praise. You're the name above all names. Be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our praise. You're the name.
You know, last night, um, after the snow had stopped, I did something I love doing, which is I just sat in my living room. I like turning off the lights because then I can actually see the glow coming from the snow. I just love that, like the moonlight, snow shining in. And I just sat in that space and I opened my hands and I said, God, tomorrow we're going to be gathered with your people. What do you want said? I asked God that, and I just sat there and waited, and it was just such a beautiful picture sitting there in my living room, and then didn't hear anything, but then this morning as I was getting ready, I felt like it was just as clear as day. I felt like God wanted said this, you were made to rest. You're designed in such a way that you actually can't just keep going and going and going, that it is God's grace to us that we have limited capacity. We can't just keep going, and so God designed us to rest, and yes, that shows up physically. Like we all know, we can't just stop sleeping just because there's so much to do, there's so many things to get done. No, you were designed in such a way that your body needs to sleep. And this is why I see the enemy so many times, he'll attack us in our sleep. It's like, if I can get you to lose sleep, I know I can destroy so many other things in your life because he knows what we should know, which is that we are designed for rest. And that's true of our bodies, but it's also true in an even bigger picture, it's true of our souls. See, everything that we do, we're supposed to pull from the, from the fact that we are resting in God. This is why we gather once a week as God's people, and we say, we're not going to go to the office today. We're going to worship Jesus, and by doing that, we're going to remind our hearts, you are made to rest. And see, this is, this is just such an important lesson that God has to teach us. He's been teaching me this quite a bit the last three years or so where I, I just used to always think of everything that I did as work for God. And he's really starting to shift that in my heart to understand actually nothing happens without him. So everything that we're doing, everything that we participate in, in, we're actually working with God. See, you and I, that's what we're invited into. You get to do things with God. We're on the boat and yes, the storm may be raging, but just as the disciples go to Jesus and find him what? Find him sleeping. Why? Because the principle being, if you are with Jesus, then why would you think you're in danger? It, he modeled for us, even in his humanity, that he trusted the Father would accomplish his purposes. So there's no need to fret. There's no need to stress at that level. Why? Because you're with Jesus. So I really think that's what you need to hear today. You're, you're here, you, you've gathered with God's people, you've lifted up your voice, and we are in the presence of God. But would you just now, right now, let your heart fully rest. Let today be a little bit of a reset for you. You have nothing to earn. There's nothing you have to do today to earn the love of God. Instead, you already have it. So simply rest in it. Like let, let your heart be at ease today. And as we turn our attention to the giving of our tithes and offerings, there are many ways to give. They're listed on screen, but that's the picture. It's, we're not here just to, you know, do things for God. It's, God is on the move and we'd like to be with him as he moves. We'd like to be a part of what God is doing. And so we give today, yes, as our worship, we give today to support the work of the church. Um, in faith, we do that. We also give out of compassion because it's our way of entering into the pain of those around us. And this is why it matters. This is why everything we do here today matters. Let me just pray for you as we continue in worship. Father, we take a moment right here and we just acknowledge we need to rest in you. Because if we don't, we'll be tempted to just keep going, keep going, just trying to make things happen on our own. And so God, we repent of that way of living and we say, we want to walk in the Spirit. We want everything about our day to be drenched in your presence. 
that we would sense where you're guiding us left, right, to and fro, because we're with you. And so, Lord, we, we, we aren't afraid of tomorrow. We leave tomorrow in its place. It can stay out there because we're just so thankful to be with you right now. And for, for my brothers and sisters, God, I pray rest over their lives. For those who have been uh, under attack in their sleep, I pray that they would sleep well tonight. I pray in the name of Jesus, they would be able to rest knowing that you have no need for sleep. You neither sleep nor slumber. And because you don't need that, God, we get to. We get to sleep knowing that you are the one who is in, the, in control. You are the God most high. And so, Father, now we express our gratitude to you as we continue to worship because we have found it to be true. You're the one we run to. You're the one we can hide in. And it's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, let's continue in that spirit of worship. Let's sing this to the Lord. As you can see right now, there's some families that have come forward. They're here at the front of the room because today's a special day. Today's the day they are coming in front of us to say they want to dedicate their children to the Lord, to God. And so first, uh, first, let's just find out exactly who is here. Pastor Michelle, I'll hand it over to you to introduce us to yes, them. Yes, okay, tell us your names and then the name of your child and the age. My name is Dylan, this is Amy, and this is our baby girl, um, Amron Adderley, and she's five months. Oh, Amen, let's welcome them. Yeah. Yes. My name is David, this is my wife, Liliana, this is Santiago. And how old is, is Santiago? Seven months. Seven right. months, okay. Hi, my name is Dylan, and this is my wife, Crystal, and this is Nora, and she's three months. Oh, she's beautiful. Hi, I'm Bernadette. Uh, these are my sons, Charlie and Chris. They're 13 and 11. Fantastic. Welcome. Hey, I'm, I'm Z. This is Sarah, and this is our son, Mateo David Cardenas. He's just over a year old. Oh, fantastic. 
Bless you. Hi, I'm Grace. This is my husband, Patrick, and our child, Christopher. He just turned one. Oh, welcome, welcome. Awesome, awesome. Well, here is what is happening right now. There's multiple things happening. First and foremost, we want to stand before God and before God's people, and we want to pray a blessing over these children, that God would have his way, that God would pour favor in their lives. So we're going to do that, but also you're standing here as families, as mothers and fathers, surrounded by aunts and uncles, spiritual mothers and fathers, everyone involved in these children's lives. It's a moment where we say we're committed to doing our part. See, I can't tell you the amount of times I talk with adults and they say this phrase, something to the effect, I was raised in a Christian home. And that's what's happening right here is we're saying we will do our part to tell them of the goodness of God in the home. We will make sure these children are raised knowing of the good news of Jesus and knowing of the kindness of Jesus, that they would hear that all throughout their lives and their homes. But then the other layer of what's happening here today is you're doing this in the presence of God's people because we're saying we're in this with you that you're not alone in this. The church is coming alongside of you because it takes a village to raise a child in the way of Jesus. And we're saying we wanna be a part of that. So church, would you just stretch out your hand towards them in agreement saying we want to agree together and I will pray with the microphone, but please join me. We pray together towards this end. Father, here we are with gratitude in our hearts. Gratitude because every gift we have comes from you. And so right now we acknowledge that these children are a gift from you. You have given these children to us to raise them, and so we give thanks for the way that you made them. You know them more than anyone will ever know them. And we give thanks for the way that you made them, that you're not disappointed in anything about how you have made these beautiful children. I pray in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit that they would grow up to know you, God, that they would grow up to step into the calling that you have for each of them, that they would know more and more as their days go on the ways that you want them to further the kingdom of God. And so we pray that over their lives, I pray favor and blessing in their lives. And God, I pray for these parents, for these mothers, for these fathers, for these families as they do their part to raise these children. I pray for the good days and the hard days. On those days where it seems like there isn't a way forward, I pray that your spirit would step in and give them strength. That they would know that you are walking this out with them for you have given them this gift and you will also give them what they need to accomplish this task. And Lord, we also, we stretch out our hands to accept the calling that we do this as a family. We are your children. We have been bought by the blood of Jesus and we share this calling together. And we share in this commitment together that these children would be surrounded by the love of God. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Well, let's encourage these families. So, so good. We love when we get to do this together as a church family. Well, here in just a few moments, we're going to open God's word. And Pastor John Egan's in the house. He's going to bring the word to us today. Excited about that. Uh, but before we do that, why don't you turn around, find someone you didn't come to church with, and say hello to them. Good morning, New Life North. My name is Josh. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. And my name is Callie. If it's your first time joining us today, or if you're looking for more information about ministries here at New Life, you can click the link below or scan the QR code. If you're joining us on Facebook or on YouTube, go ahead and give us a shout out of where you're joining us from. We'd love to say hello. So let's grab our Bibles, grab our notebooks, and let's plug in for this message. 
<laughs> hey, friends, are we alive? You look so good. You made it through the snow and you made it and you look amazing. And I'm so happy that you're here. We get to do church together. If you couldn't make it and you're online watching, just know that we love you and we miss you as well. I'm so happy to be home. I've been gone for a couple of weeks, been doing some travel, um, did some, uh, an event in Chicago, worship event. And then um, uh, you sent us, me, Pastor Brady, Pastor Brad, Jeremias, down to uh, Colombia, and we did some stuff with a hundred pastors down in Colombia, the sweetest people. And then we caught a flight over to the Dominican Republic, and we did some stuff over there. We got some, oh, we went to Jorge and Denise's church in the Dominican Republic, right here. Uh, and we also served at a ministry school down there. And our wives got to join us for that part, Paige. And Miss Pam came down there, and I led worship in Spanish. True story. We have witnesses, and it was amazing. I, I, I cheated a little bit, and I had some English here and there, and they forgave me, and they were gracious, but I sang in Spanish. In the global south, those people know how to worship. It was really beautiful, am I right, Jorge? So uh, it was amazing, but something very difficult did happen to me, and I have to confess it and tell it to you guys. Something amazing and then difficult. So it was after the ministry was done, we were walking out of the church, in the sweetest little Dominican girl came up to me, probably like eight years old, and she tugged on my shirt, and I was like, oh. And she, she in pretty good English, she just said, you look like Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, I like this little girl, and I like the Dominican Republic. I look like Jesus. Not 30 minutes later, we're hanging out with some young leaders, and through a translator, the translator looked at me and said, hey, they want to know, um, are you Miley Cyrus's dad? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Jesus, the savior of the world, to Billy Ray Cyrus, creator of Achy Breaky Hearts. <laughs> I looked back at him and I just said, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> very, very proud of Miley. <laughs> okay, John 4, I get to preach on John 4. I love this series on the book of John because it's about Jesus. And I just love Jesus. And John 4 is a kind of an iconic passage of scripture for a worship leader for sure, but as a worshiper, which all of us are called to, it's just an amazing passage. It's a conversation that Jesus has with this incredible woman at the well. And a lot of you know my song, Make A Way. Where there is no way, you make a way. John 4 is like the second half of that chorus where no one else could reach us, you find us. The lengths that he will go to find us. So a quick setup, and then we're gonna read this amazing story from John 4. So the setup is Jesus is down south with his disciples. He's down in the Judean countryside baptizing people. So if you picture kind of a long Israel, he's down low here, and there's some issues with religious leaders, but Jesus is not ready yet to kind of be fully revealed. So he said, we're gonna go back up north to Galilee, which is 60, 70 miles or so. 
But he said, but we're gonna go through a region that no one goes through for a lot of reasons I'm gonna talk about in a second. But we're gonna go through Samaria. So picture Colorado Springs. It's really, it's Jesus in Colorado Springs baptizing people and saying, we're, we're gonna go to Denver, 60, 70 miles north. And Castle Rock, right in the middle, would be like Samaria. And it's like if we didn't take I-25 and shot right through Castle Rock, it's like if we took 83 and we went around it because we didn't wanna go there. But Jesus says, we've got some business to do. We are going there. So we're going to read this amazing story from the scriptures. First come Holy Spirit. Settle our hearts. Oh, would you make us sponges just to embrace the word of God. Here we go. And starting in verse three. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon, so it was the height, the heat of the day. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food, so he was there alone with this woman. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. So she's taking it literal. Where can you get this living water? Sarcasm. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water from this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. And he told her, okay, and here's where it turns. Go call your husband and come back. And she says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said, just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. Our ancestors, she brings up a debate. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And then Jesus, he brings some preach here. He says, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called the Christ. So she knew things. She said, he's coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus with the ultimate mic drop, he says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Many of the, let's go to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town then believed in him, Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. 
So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they urged him, stay, stay with us. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Someone say amen. 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 Okay, so Jesus is just, he's just bad to the bone. He's just the raddest. He just goes to this place that no one wants to go, meets with this woman and has this conversation. This conversation with Jesus is the longest recorded conversation with Jesus in scripture. And it's with this Samaritan woman. And it's about worship, John 4, yes, it's about worship. And I love talking about worship, but really worship is the kind of the result of what John 4 is really about. What John 4 is really about is the great lengths he has gone and will continue to go to reach us, to reach this woman. He will go. I lead the way I do. I lead worship the way I do. I write songs the way I do. We, what Terrell and the team were just doing up here and Jen and the team, the way we do that is not because it's cool, not because we've been informed by some worship industry, do it this way, it kind of works. We're not trying to be celebrities. We don't need celebrities for Jesus. That is not the thing. We lead the way we lead because Jesus met us at a well. He sought us out, he changed our lives. So, and he told us what kind of worship he's seeking. So here we are doing what we can to answer that call. I was 19 years old, I was in a, my dorm room at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I, I went to school there and I was there listening to a band. My dad sent me this new band called Delirious. Anyone heard of Delirious? Did you feel the mountains tremble? And it's just, I listened to this thing and it was everything changed, everything. I was a drummer and I liked playing in the worship team and I, we traveled around, it was great. But I listened to Martin Smith sing and the lyrics and the sound and something, I was kind of just transported. And, I felt, and then all of a sudden I felt Jesus just talk to me. He just met me and he's like, I want you to do this with your life. I was like, how on earth am I gonna do this? I'm a drummer. I don't know if I could sing. I don't know if I could play guitar. Turns out I couldn't at first, <laughs> but I, I did not know. But he was like, I want you to do this. I'm, I've come to find you. I'm here to find you. And just, I mean, that very night, we had Devos on our floor. Every Thursday night was Devos. We had a chaplain on our floor, Christian College. And we all met in a room. It was like 16 guys packed into our dorm room and we did Devos. And I'm kind of humming with this, this moment I had with God. I'm like, did you just call me? Is this what they say? Like, I, I just received a calling in worship. I need to start singing. I don't know how to do that. So this, true story, this happens. We're singing in the, in the Devo's se uh, session in the dorm room and the chaplain stops everything and he looks at me and in front of all the guys says, put yourself in my shoes. He looks at me and he says, John, I think you need to sing a spontaneous song right now. <laughs> Can you imagine? And I was like, what, come again? I need you to sing, I think you need to sing a spontaneous worship song. I had no idea what to sing or what to do and we're just the guy strumming the guitar. And I said the most ridiculous things you could imagine any, any, coming out of anybody's mouth about God. It was like, have you seen the movie Elf where they think it's a singing telegram? And he's like, Daddy, I love you. <laughs> and I'm here now, Daddy, I love you. That's what I was doing to God. Yeah. That was the first song I ever wrote, was that. Yeah. I mean, I just tell you that because I has been so called to this worship thing to become a true worshiper that I will go to whatever length I gotta go to because God had met me at a well and he told me the worship he's seeking and I, I'm saying yes. I love talking about worship, not just because we need glorious worship and we do, 
Not just because worship unifies and galvanizes, and it does. Not just because he is worthy of it, and he is. Not just because it silences the lies and breaks the back of the enemy, and it does. Amen? Not just because it's a doorway to his goodness, which it is. Not just because in his presence is fullness of joy, and it is. I love talking about worship because it changed my life. Because it saved my life. Okay, so four things lifted out of John 4, if you take notes, four things, and then we'll be done. Number one, to reach you, God will go to the farthest place. You gotta know why it was such a big deal that Jesus was in Samaria talking to this woman. Samarit- little history lesson, Samaritans and Jews, they hated each other, okay? So Samaritans were among the people left behind. There was a great exile from the Assyrian nation. They came and they basically cherry-picked all the Jewish leaders, that, or the Jewish people that they felt were leaders and the noble ones and the smart ones. They plucked them out of Samaria took them away and left who they felt were less than. And then the Assyrians then also populated that area and then they started to intermarry and the offspring that they produced were, uh, were considered less than, you know, were considered half-breeds. And so there was a lot of tension with the Jews and the Samaritans. And then the Samaritans, then they didn't really believe most of the Old Testament. They only believed a portion of the first five books. And it was violence that would break out often, racial tensions that would break out often between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. So for Jesus to say we're going through Samaria was shocking. No one goes through. We stay around. We could, it, it's too dangerous. But Jesus, he walks into our hostility into our violence. He sits down and he asks for a drink of water. And then he talks to us about our thirst. And he's walking right now into our life, our sin, our fear, our doubt, our anxiety, our depression. He's walking into it right now and he's pulling up a chair and he's asking for a drink of water. This woman that he's speaking to, she's a fascinating woman. I've been reading up a lot and this Samaritan woman. And kind of history has not painted her in the best light. Kind of just said, oh, she's an adulterer, she's a prostitute. And there's so much about her that we don't know. There's historians who actually believe of the five husbands that she was the one who was cast out. She was divorced, she was pushed away, she was treated like trash, or she was a widow. Those men may have died. All we do know is that she is broken. She's been looked at the wrong way. We know that she went to the well that day, the heat of day, right? It's noon. No one did it at noon. It's too hot. And no one did it alone. They all went together, but she's alone at the heat of day. So we know that she is broken and we know that she has been failed. A system has failed her. Six men have failed her and now she sits with a seventh man at the well. And what does this man bring? What does he offer? Judgment? No. Rebuke? No, he offers himself and he offers living water that will never run dry. Six men have failed her, but the seventh will not fail her. Many maybe have failed you, but there's a seventh man, Jesus, who will not and has not ever failed you. Chapter three, just a chapter before this, Jesus is talking with Nicodemus. He's, he's trying to reach in Nicodemus, who's like the highest of high, religious leader, really smart, really sharp. If anyone has it together, it's Nicodemus, but he's trying to get, reach Nicodemus to get saved. And now a chapter later, he's with this Samaritan woman, basically saying, you're not so awesome that Jesus can't reach you. 
And then you're not so broken that Jesus can't reach you. Number two, to reach you, God will reveal who you are. It makes me think of Augustine's well-known statement, grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. There's a connection between knowing ourselves and knowing God. Or another amazing woman, a 15th century Spanish saint, St. Teresa of Avila, she says almost all problems in the spiritual life stem from a lack of self-knowledge. This woman didn't know herself, and Jesus sits down and says, go, call your husband and come back. I don't have a husband. I know. You've had five. I'm going to look into your eyes, and I'm going to tell you who you are and what you've done so I could redefine it, so I could repurpose it, redefine you. He told her what no one could know. Certainly not a stranger and definitely not a Jewish man, but like only Jesus can He will come to you, comes to us and shows us that he knows us, all that we are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he will stop at nothing. A lot of you know my story. Just a little over 20 years ago, I came to New Life and I was covered in fear. I had so much panic. I would get nauseous. I'd step on a stage and I would sweat. To talk in front of people, a large group of people like this, out of the question. There's no way I could do it. I would clam up and I was covered in such paralyzing anxiety and fear. And Jesus met me at the well. He met me at the well, looked into my eyes and said, I know this about you, but let me tell you about some living water. And he has tenderly and kindly walked me through 20 something years of freedom to sing songs of freedom because that is more true about my life than the things I was feeling 20 something years ago, right? He made me free to run and free to dance and free to live for you. That was where that song came from. That is the truth, that is who I am. And he's given all of us a song. Psalm 40, Psalm 40 says, I've cried out to God and he heard my cry. He listened to me, he came to me and he lifted me out of the pit, out of the miry clay, put my feet on a rock, put a new song in my mouth a hymn of praise to God. And he's doing that for all of us. That song, Be Strong, that's it. That's where it came out of. You heard my cry. You met me at the well. You lifted me out of the pit, put a song on my mouth. You spoke a word to my heart and changed everything. There's a song being put on your lips. There's a song on your mouth. It doesn't have to be a literal song that we sing here today at church. There's a song that all of you have that only actually you could offer to God because it's your story. It's what Jesus did for you at the well. And you need to sing it again. God has heard your cry and he has answered you. Here's something really wild. Uh, Andrew Arndt pointed this out to me. The first time a well or a spring was mentioned in scripture is early in the scriptures in Genesis where a woman named Hagar who was mistreated by a man, is at the well and God speaks promises to her and speaks about her future. And then Hagar names God, the first to name him says, God, you are the one who sees me. He has come to see you and tell you who you are. Number three, to reach you, God will reveal who he is. He'll reveal who you are and then he reveals who he is. Just an amazing moment in this passage. The woman says, I know that the Christ will come and he'll tell us everything. And Jesus says, I am he. This is the first time where Jesus explicitly said, I'm the Christ. I'm the Messiah. And he says it to a Samaritan woman. He says it to a broken woman. He did not tell Nicodemus in the chapter before. He didn't tell all the cool kids. He goes to a place no one would go. And for the first time, really saying, I'm the Christ, it's to this woman. It's to us. It's to the broken. 
He says, I am he. So worship is not, or formation in Jesus is not a guessing game. He wants to reveal himself. He wants to say, here is who I am. He doesn't just lay out breadcrumbs and if we follow it the right way, maybe we'll find him, you know? He doesn't play hide and seek with his kids and then go hide in a really good spot for like five days and no one can find him. He goes to the next room and he stands in the middle of the room. Oh, you found me. He wants to be found (laughs) and he will reveal who he is to be found. I wanted to mention this other thing. Um, In John 18 is another place where Jesus says those words, I am he. It's amazing. It's in the garden where the soldiers are coming to collect him. They're coming to arrest him. And he's there praying and the soldiers show up and Jesus stands up and says, who is it that you're looking for? And they say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus just says it, I am he. And you know what happens? They don't just arrest him, they fall down. (laughs) They shrink back and they fall down. When Jesus reveals who he is, we worship. (laughs) When he reveals that he is the Christ, we fall down. We worship him. Or Isaiah 6, Isaiah, I've seen, my eyes have seen the glory of God. And what's his response? I'm ruined. I'm wrecked. When God reveals himself, it messes us up. And it should. So do it, Jesus. Keep revealing yourself to us at New Life. Amen. Number four, last one, to reach you, God will make you into a worshiper. This is what he's done in my life. This is what he's doing in all of our lives. So Jesus prophesies to the Samaritan woman, I know about you. You don't have a husband. Yeah, you've had five. And so this woman's like, whoa, okay, this, this guy knows something. And what does she do right away? She brings up an argument. She brings up a debate that is happening. It is actually happening in that day of where do we worship? We're told we gotta worship on this mountain, but you guys say you gotta worship on this mountain. So Jesus answers the question. But here we are 2,000 years later, and guys, I've been a worship leader for 25 years almost, and the debate of worship and the arguments of worship just rage on. 2,000 years later, we're still arguing about worship. There's actually a term for it in kind of culture called the worship wars, where you could just go online and social media and you could see we're fighting all the time. And there's, it's a good war, it's a good fight because it matters, but we are getting lost. Churches are getting trampled and lost in these arguments of, well, what kind of songs should we sing? Should it be this type of song or this type of song? It's gotta be old songs. No, 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 it's gotta be brand new songs. No, no, it has to be like a hymn. No, no, it has to be modern. Who's singing it? They're singing it, I don't like the way they're singing it. Why are they acting British? They're American, this makes no sense to me. <laughs> Why all these high praise songs? Why just this distant king? It should be like, no, no, there's intimacy. And then people say, oh, that's like Jesus is my boyfriend songs. He's not my prom date, he's my king. And so we have to go over here and we're jumping back and forth all over the place. We need liturgy. No, 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 too much liturgy. It's rote. No, 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 it's awesome. No, 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 we're rooted. No, 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 we're this. It's endless and it's on and on and on. And I'm not knocking it, it is needed. It's an important conversation, but we've been having it for 2000 years. It's not new. It is an old conversation. I think it's because worship matters that much. Because I think as worship goes, a church goes. I think as worship goes, a city goes. As worship goes, nations go. There's this sociologist who says that, he says the jukebox informs the ballot box. He's talking about the songs we sing inform how we vote, how we care about things and how we care about the world. It matters. John 4 tells us that Jesus is looking He answers the question. He's looking for a certain kind of worshiper. Not perfect worshipers, just true worshipers. Theologian and author Richard Foster says this, it is God who seeks. 
draws, persuades. Worship is the human response to the divine initiative. My point is God started this thing. It's not coming to new life and they want you to worship like this. I don't need you to worship a certain way. This came from him. This is Jesus who started this thing. He started singing over us, so we're singing back. He started dancing over us and we're dancing back. He started shouting over us and we're shouting back. That's what we're gonna be at New Life Church. He authored this, that's what we will be, amen? Quick word on spirit and truth. We don't have time to dive into that, but just a quick word. Jesus is saying to the Samaritan woman, you're asking about this mountain or this mountain, you're, what you're doing, you're thinking about the truth of worship. Even that though, you have way wrong. I've come to blow that whole thing up completely because it's not about where. A time has come and a time has come. It's not about where you worship, it's about who. It's about who you worship and from your heart. It's not, allowed, it's not about who's allowed to worship. These people or these people for everyone is allowed to worship. But then he introduces another side of the coin. He says, truth, you're, you're thinking about that, but here's, I'm blowing that up. You don't even have that right. And then I'm giving you spirit. That's something you haven't even considered. And he says, God is spirit and we must worship in spirit as well as truth. So scripture talks about spirit and truth a lot all throughout the Bible. And it talks about spirit. It's like fire, wind, you know, these fluid things, tactile oil, water, and then truth, a rock, an anchor in the storm, a firm foundation. Often we find churches or movements or worshipers, people who actually just choose one over the other. It's more of my personality and more of a spirit guy. No, I'm more of a truth guy. And there's fun generalizations we can make about that. Like spirit people just wanna bounce off the walls and the ceiling during a five hour worship service and they don't even care what they're singing as long as they feel it. You know, and truth people are really stodgy and curmudgeon-y and it's just a really too broad of a stroke. And I do remember speaking of spirit people, I was, my, my brothers and I were in a, um, our growing up at an AG church in New Jersey, great church, but the worship when I was a kid was pretty rough and it was kind of minor chords and it was long. And I, we, I remember I was like 10 years old and there was an endless altar call and the worship was just going on and on and on. They were playing like an E minor for like 65 minutes. <laughs> and, and I remember the pastor got up on stage and he said, think about it, church. In heaven, we're gonna be doing this for eternity. <laughs> My brothers and I were like, oh God, no. <laughs> We don't want to go to heaven anymore. <laughs> Forget about it. Take, I, I, I put a little video together to poke fun at this. This is a worship service at New Life of um, a spirit person worshiping next to a truth person. Let's, let's take a look at this, this video. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> some of you have been one of those birds. <laughs> I love them both, but some of you are that spirit person. Just get your shoulder into the truth person. Come on, get into it. And then some of you have been that other bird. It's like, nope. <laughs> nope. Oh, it's too good. Pastor Brady often says there's an ounce of truth in every pound of criticism. So there's probably a little bit of truth in that. But that, that's just fun. But we, most people choose one, and they don't even, you know, they're unsure about which one 
they're doing. But this is my personality. I'm more spirit, more truth. And I love it the way my friend Aaron Keyes talks about it. It's just choosing one. It's not inaccurate, but it is totally inadequate because there is beauty in truth and spirit. It's not about or. It's not about like, well, it's more my vibe to do this. It's more my vibe to do this. Jesus is looking for a worshiper to operate in spirit and in truth. God is looking for both. So quick word on spirit and truth. I, listen, I can't, with the worship wars and all the talking, Terrell was just talking about it um, this morning when he was leading worship and how he's been kind of just engaging in the fight of like, why are we singing these lyrics and not these lyrics? And it's so good. And it's very hard for us sometimes being in the, because we, we, we release albums and we're trying to be a voice in the world and there's only so many people listening, you know? But I've, I've thought, that's why I love being a part of our church for so long, is I, can't, I may not be able to impact the entire world with um, my voice and, and the type of worship that Jesus is looking for, but I have a say at our church. <laughs> I have a say at this church. And we will, to my dying breath, we will be a worship culture that worships the way Jesus is looking for it. We will worship in spirit and in truth. So here's my promise to you. Here's our promise to you. Our worship, let's put this slide up, guys. Our worship will be spiritual and then across, it'll also be scriptural. It'll be spontaneous, yes, and substantial. It'll be beautiful and biblical, emotional and thoughtful passionate and considerate, poetic and prophetic, charismatic and careful. That's what we will be at New Life Church. Let me say it this way. I like this. Passionate spirit worship is the fire. Doctrine and truth is the fuel. We have to have both. Our fire will just fizzle out without the fuel, but a fuel needs a flame. And we will do both. We have first ones that are coming up this week. That's what we'll be exercising. We're gonna get after it. We're gonna worship the Lord because he met us, because he showed up at a well and changed us. So we sing 400 times in scripture, it says sing to the Lord. 400, 50 of those actually are commands. We sing. We were bound in chains, but God set us free. So what do we do with our hands now? We, we lift them up to the Lord. We surrender. And I'll leave you with this here. Worship is a response based on revelation and it's a choice based on conviction. It's both. So revelation, real quick. Acts 3, Peter, there was a, a lame beggar who needed healing and Peter prayed for him. God healed this lame beggar. And all of a sudden, this lame beggar, he hops up and he starts jumping and leaping into the temple courts. He's dancing into church. Now, did he hear a sermon on biblical expressions of worship? Like, I should jump and leap. No, he was healed. He was touched. And the natural thing to do was to respond by leaping into the temple courts. And God has touched us. So we leap and we jump our way into church every single week. It's a response because he touched us. And then conviction, the second half, it's a choice based on conviction because I get it. We don't always feel it. I get it. We have tough things going on. A very good friend of mine has her mom in hospice right now. It's real. There's some 
prognosis that you're waiting on, it's, it's, it's grim, it's hard. Some of you are in a lawsuit. Some of you have deep stress and anxiety and fear. You worry about your kids. You worry about your parents. You worry about the world. I get it, so you don't come in here always feeling it. Psalm 77 though, the psalmist, he says, yeah, the world is this and the world is this and I don't feel it, but I remember the works of God. I remember the miracles of old and I will praise you. Or Habakkuk 3, a lot, of time, a lot of people think we're living in like a Habakkuk 3 kind of time. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce nothing, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in God. Why? Because he is my savior. That's why. So I choose to show up. I choose to come into the house of God and lift my life and sing and lift my hands and lift my heart and lift my voice because I was a broken person and Jesus decided I'm gonna go where no one went and I'm gonna talk to you and I'm gonna touch you and I'm gonna save you. Amen? Let's stand together. Those who serve at the table of the Lord, serve communion. Can you come down? We're going to go to the table of, table of the Lord here. And I just have a, it's just really a question, church, as we come to the tables. Are you thirsty? Yes. Are you thirsty? Because there's living water waiting for you. I think the Holy Spirit is even convicting some of us even now of some of the things that we are thirsting on. Some of the addictions, some of the decisions we've made. Jesus is not here to rebuke. He's not here to judge. He's simply actually here to pull up a chair and say, hey, that won't satisfy. You'll be thirsty again, and you'll be thirsty again, and you'll be thirsty again. But the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. It's the, from the well that never runs dry, from me. So Holy Spirit, come and convict us of sin, but you don't condemn, that's from the enemy. You just convict us of sin, but Lord, we come to the table to, re we repent, but then we receive the living water. It's just amazing. Only you satisfied, only you can. We have learned that from this conversation, this long conversation you had with this woman. Come Lord Jesus, bring your healing, validate those who are so broken, they don't think they'll ever be validated. It's, it's what you do. You can't help yourself, Jesus. You come, and you turn us around. So friends, we're gonna sing. Where there is no way, you make a way. Where no one else can reach us, you find us. And if you've never been here before, it's just the ushers will kind of release each row and you'll come through the line and you'll come and you'll pick up the body and the blood of Christ. If you're new, if you're new to the Jesus thing, if you could just still walk through the line, um, but you don't, you don't have to partake. This is for people, this is for us who have chosen Jesus. But listen, Jesus has chosen you. So stick around, <laughs> stick around. We're so glad that you're here. If you can't come through the line for any physical reason, no problem, just, just grab somebody and say, hey, can you grab, grab an extra one for me? But we're gonna sing, come to the table and receive living water. Come on, church.
where no one else could reach us, he found us. <laughs> he found us. Jesus found us, and he gives his body and his blood to find us, to bring us back to him. And he sacrifices himself to save us from where we were and to save us from what we were becoming. This is the work of Jesus in our lives. And on the night he was betrayed, he sat around the table with his followers and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. And so now we remember the body of Christ broken for us. We eat together. And after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the forgiveness of sins. So as often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And so now we respond with gratitude. Let's sing together. Before we leave today, just a few things. One is I want to invite our prayer team to come forward right now because if, uh, if you have anything that you need prayer for or there's been something that's stirred up in your heart right now, this is your chance. There are people who are going to come forward. They'll be right here at the front of the stage. As soon as the service is over, just come forward and say, would you pray for me? And, um, and we want to make sure that you don't leave here without someone praying with you if that's something on your heart. Also, if you're new around here, uh, we'd love to meet you. You can go out these middle doors to the left. There's that corner. It's called Connect Central. You can meet some of, uh, some of our staff, some of our volunteers, and you can ask any question that you have. If you want to get connected here at New Life Church, that's where you can get your questions answered. And then finally, this, uh, as John mentioned, this week is First Wednesday, okay? So this Wednesday night... Back in the room, 6.30 to 7.30. It's an hour where we do just that. We worship and we pray together. I love it every month because it's kind of like a refocus for the month to come back to that. And I really love uh, what John said when he said that worship is a response to revelation and a choice to respond to because of conviction, right? And some of you, maybe that's what's next for you. You've, you've heard God's word, you've heard him stir your heart, and you just need to make a choice, say, I, maybe I don't normally come, but I'm just gonna come. I'm just gonna step into it and dedicate one hour this Wednesday night to the worship of Jesus. We hope to see you here uh, this Wednesday night. Well, before we leave, would you just open your hands? Let me pray for you as we leave. 
Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters as they now leave this room. I pray that they would go knowing that you are spirit. And so if we're going to worship you, we worship in the spirit and in truth. I pray that our lives would sing this song. I pray that our voices would sing this song. I pray our actions would sing the song of Jesus. That as you take us now into the different places across the city, people would hear the song of Jesus where we go. And may that be something we are known for. We are the worshipers of Jesus. So may you now go knowing that that is true of you and go with the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray this over you. Amen and amen. So good worshiping with you. We'll see you next week.